Uh, my name is Warren Cook. Today is July 13th, 2016. I'm speaking with Brandy Roberts in Baker, Nevada. Brandy, would you tell me a little bit about yourself and your relationship to the Valley? Um, sure. So I moved here in 1999 um, because I got a seasonal job at Great Basin National Park and my um, then fiance, now husband, um, also got a seasonal job at Great Basin National Park. Um, I was a park ranger. Um, I started out seasonally there and then, well, long story short, uh, became a permanent park ranger um, at the visitor center, giving cave tours, that kind of thing, and then managing a lot of that um, for about 15 years. Um, and Ben, that's my husband, he worked, his first job at the park was in um, the resource management, natural resources, still in natural resources, but um, with the um, Bonneville Cutthroat Trout Reintroduction Project, which obviously relates to water. So, um, yeah, and so he works with fish and also works with caves, which are quite dependent on water as well, and also wildlife and all the other biology and geological features of the park. So, uh, yeah, I worked at the park for about 15 years, and then a couple years ago had the opportunity to leave the park service and my federal service to come work for the Great Basin Heritage Area Partnership. Um, so that's what I do now. And um, I have been in Snake Valley um, minus a, about a year and a half where I was gone in Montana, but for oh, yeah. 17 years now. And um, we built a house and, um, you know, our son Sam, who just turned 12, has been in school in Garrison, Baker School, and is... We'll be starting over at Eskdale in, back in Utah this coming year. So, um, yeah, we're pretty uh, attached to the valley. So that's that's how we ended up here. <laughs> Came for a season and stayed for <laughs> a life. <laughs> so you didn't expect? Oh, no. <laughs> really? No. Huh. Just sort of... I'm curious of how, how that process took place, you know, um... And I think this is wrapped up in what I ask, what I've asked some other people is what is unique about the Snake Valley from your perspective? A lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Snake Valley, um, you know, for one thing, it's split into two states, which I always am amused telling people about how everything is in two time zones <laughs> and everything, you know. I wish we would just change to one and all be on the same page, but... Um, you know, you have Nevada and Utah, which, um, even though it's obviously it's the same valley and the same landscape, um, and within the valley, like, a lot of probably cultural continuity, um, the cultural evolution, maybe, mm -hmm. you'd say, of Nevada and Utah couldn't be more different. Um, you know, you go to Ely and at least in the past, not as much anymore, but 
a real rough, like, it's a mining town mm-hmm. and gambling and there's legal prostitution. I mean, there's legal brothels. And then you go to Delta and it's super churchy. You know, I mean, it's super Mormon, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. And here in Snake Valley, it's just a really interesting mix of those yet neither of those cultures really dominates really more it's i think um it'd be really easy and i think it happens all the time for people to drive through here who aren't from here and just think oh my gosh there's nothing here for one thing or these towns are so tiny i think the assumption kind of on a cultural level is that i i think if you don't know people here, you would assume you could guess what everybody's politics are, and that's absolutely not true. Um, it's surprisingly diverse when it comes to um, people's backgrounds, people's education, um, and people's political views. There, it's it's quite a wide range, um, which for being in rural Nevada and rural Utah is a surprisingly liberal enclave, <laughs> though not completely. There, there's a wide range, um, as you know, when you go up, uh, like Partone, Gandhi, mm. further north, up into Calio and that kind of thing, I think it's probably a little more homogenous. Eskdale kind of has its own thing going on, but Baker um, is an interesting mix of um, ranchers and small business owners and national park employees and kind of the home farm crowd, which is, you know, I wouldn't, they're not hippies, but like, you know, you might, you know, kind of like a lot of them came out here in like the sixties or seventies, like kind of trying to escape California and what it was becoming and to, you know, be more off the grid. Um, A lot of sort of off the grid type people that just, want their space and to be left alone and there's just there's a surprising mix of opinions and all of them are strong (laughs) like like one has weak opinions around here no (laughs) they may keep them to themselves but they're there but they're there yeah um so i i have heard it said and i'm not sure how you'd find out but that baker nevada has like the highest education Hmm. level per capita like in the state of nevada and i mean you know you get like a hundred residents and there's you know 10 or more people with phds and another 20 or 30 of us with master's degrees and something like that i don't know Hmm. i mean it goes up and down (laughs) because it's a small population um so Highly involved, highly educated, um, Mm -hmm. I would say highly aware of world events. And a lot of us, because of being like federal employees, have come from other places. So it's it's not like everybody who's here is from here. And then you've got people who are from here and who have been here for several generations um, are not, for the most part, at least like the bakers, um, but a lot of them aren't xenophobic in the way that I think people maybe in other small towns. Like, I feel like Baker, at least, um, and I can't really speak for, like, Garrison or mm-hmm. Mandy, but but in even Eskdale as well, like, like, people are very inviting to, you know, oh, join us, and, you know, and 
aren't like, ooh, we're not going to talk to you, you know. Um, and I think that's why a lot of people come to the park just for a seasonal job or something and get really hooked because it's a place where um, they kind of, if you make any kind of effort, can sort of instantly become part of the community and there's lots of ways to get involved. That's why I stayed. So I'm, I'm curious about that off-the-grid seeking. You know, oh, it seems uh-huh. like people are seeking. Yeah. Do you feel like you, you get that here today or still? Oh, yeah. yeah. So my family is in um, Orange County in Southern California. I was just there. My son's there now. Visiting them last week. And, um, like, quiet is just, like, not something that exists. Like, I, I was... I was staying at my aunt's house because my mom had my other sister and Mm. my nephew and my son and I were at my aunt's house and they live in, you know, a very quiet, like, gated neighborhood and blah, blah, blah. And, like, Mm -hmm. seven in the morning, like, I'm woken up, I haven't told you all these stories, (laughs) by the, like, like, chainsaw, like, um, so, like, the gardening crew was there, like, like, trimming the, um, hedges like, in the leaf blowers, like, and then I go over to my mom's, and there's, like, her neighbors using a leaf blower, and there's sirens, and even in places that, like, they all consider quite peaceful and quiet, like, in their homes, and, like, in their gardens, and, like, their pools and things, like, like, it's just, there's, there's all this stuff going on all the time, which I never probably would have noticed before because they just get used to it most people do it's it's the norm for most of humanity i would Mm -hmm. say is to be in kind of loud active places the majority of people live in cities and the majority of people who are in non-city areas are still in areas much more populated than this it's one of the most most sparsely populated areas in the world. I mean, the U.S. or there's nothing like this in Europe and not even in most of places in Africa that I have been in. It's, um, there is a quietness and a calmness and a peace and solitude opportunity here that you just simply can't get most places. Like, you really... Our house is about two miles from here, so it's kind of at that end of town, pet it's the last thing that's would be considered Baker, and, and then you end up in Utah. And um, like I can hear a truck coming from four miles away in the evening because there's nothing wow. else competing with it. So um, it's so if you're looking to like get off the grid, like it's it's a perfect place to come, um, which comes with huge inconveniences because the grocery store is 65 miles away and that's not a good one I mean the good ones in Cedar City which is two hours away oh. <laughs> produce <laughs> Costco is three hours away but yeah. um but I joke that like I spend less time going back and forth to the grocery store than my mother who is a mile and a half who's wow. like oh I'm just gonna go you know she goes like every day. <laughs> so it, it's, uh, you have to alter kind of what most people would consider like normal patterns of how you do things. But I think um, even even the ranchers here who work 60 to 70 hours a week, like in some ways have more 
like quality family time mm. and quality recreational time than than most people in this country, which is why they love it. I mean, it's even and they love what they do and they love where they live and. That's Roberta. A lot of people are like, how can you live out there? And it's like, good. You'd be surprised. You get used yeah. to, it's like, I think, I think it's pretty easy to get used to not having all that stuff more than going back to that. I mean, I drive into town now and it's just like, oh, jeez. Like, get me home. Like, I can't wait to get back. And it doesn't mean that our personal lives and our work lives are, like, completely serene and peaceful. It's just that the level of sort of, like, background noise is much lower. And if it is, like, if you listen, you know, it's birds chirping. I mean, we get those yeah. things, too, you yeah. know, which leads yeah. to, like, you know, why else be here? Um, I had not lived in a place before, or if I had, I just wasn't, like, connected into it that um, was so community-oriented and um, interdependent. And, you know, we don't have paid services out here for things. You know, the ambulance, which, you know, I was an EMT for 10 years and still drive the ambulance on occasion. Um, My husband was on an ambulance call two nights ago. Like, the ambulance, the fire department, um, everything is volunteer, which, so people, and it's certainly... Not everyone participates. There's there's certain people that do a lot. Um, but it's really, it's kind of the only option. But, you know, people are either a firefighter or they're on the ambulance or they volunteer to read to kids at the school. I mean, Carol, who you're going to talk to. So she volunteers at the school and, like, is the school's science teacher. Like, there would be no science program if it wasn't for Carol and but she does it as a volunteer um same with and that's at baker school and same with baker school's art program it's um liberty palfreyman who lives like more up the valley okay kind of more closer to where your family is she comes down she volunteers to like do the art classes once a week and um so there's a lot of in some somewhat expectations but also um just people participate and volunteer and like everyone helps each other i mean not everyone all the time it's not like it's la la like yeah yeah yeah. i mean we built a house Mm -hmm. from the ground up and like i look around that house and i just have these memories of like who was there and who was there when we raised those walls and who helped us set the roof beams and who, you know, it's, I mean, kind of the, like, you think of, like, the Amish barn raisings and it's not that, like, (laughs) coordinated necessarily, but, um, you know, people do definitely, like, show up and help each other. And, like, it was probably 10 years ago now, but there was a, there was a really bad storm which happened to be like on like New Year's Day or something. Hmm. So a lot of people were out of town, but also like the schools were out. But in the night, the the wind was so bad. We get pretty strong yeah, wind here, you totally. know. Um, but it actually tore the roof off the school in Baker. Um, <laughs> okay. Tore <laughs> the roof off, like like whole strips of the metal 
because it got under it and, and ripped it off. And there were like four probably 50 foot long strips that were torn completely off and like thrown into the schoolyard and like, which is a really good thing nobody was in school. Yeah. I mean, people could have been decapitated by, you know, and someone saw wow. the next like morning and then it was pouring rain. So it was like a huge rainstorm, thunderstorm, windstorm. And, you know, like when something like that happens, like everyone just calls everyone and everyone showed up and there were, 30 people there trying to like save the computers and save the books and patch the roof and you know like and and then the students had to like be relocated for the whole semester because like, the building had been trashed but um you know yeah. it's just like no one's like oh the so-and-so department will come yeah i'll like, leave it to later you know, yeah. fix that yeah. and That's um yeah, yeah so it's just a very like, um, it's community. Yeah. I mean, I don't think, like, I had really experienced community before that. You said you, when you moved here, you built your house? Yeah. And so, I Off guess... the grid, actually. <laughs> so, really? Okay, that's... not anymore. Uh, yeah, It yeah. was for 10 years, yeah. yeah. So I, I'm really yeah. interested in it. And, and I remember you told me before that you have a, you, you pulled from the city. Well, is that right? At oh, yeah. Or, so, me, so um, yeah, the what? town has a well which um i mean here's one of these things where like it basically just uses the baker ranches what like the baker ranch kind of just donated a certain amount of their water rights like and their property for the town well to go on there was no everyone was on like their own little wells and things until sometime in like the 80s or 90s when the um and they got a big grant or something and they put in the well and and so then they put water lines all into town um to all the different houses and everything that awesome. weren't there before um yeah there wasn't like an electric grid here till like 1970 something either it was all like people just all in generators i've heard they were on party lines for phones till like 1985 or something like yeah like a lot of people around here remember <laughs> oh yeah like it would like ring twice and that would be our house and but you always knew so and so was like still listening to your whole conversation. Well, Mal was the operator, wasn't she? Uh, was she? Yeah. I think she was. I don't remember. <laughs> but, go back and revisit yeah. Like, <laughs> so yeah, so there is a town well, and then there's a water tower that's up on the, up the hill. So it's all just gravity fed. We have great water pressure. Well, I don't know about you guys because you guys aren't on the. No, system. we know it's clean because Patrick's testing it. That's so. true. But, uh, yeah, so yeah. no, it works great. Mm -hmm. Though they're actually, um, right this very moment, are working on replacing the water tower, which is up the hill. It's oh, been really? leaking for many years, and um, so they have to build a new one. And that was a whole giant political hurdle because it's on BLM land, and there are sage grouse in the area, and yeah. it got delayed for like two years mm -hmm. and they're fine anyway yeah. i mean so water sometimes you have water and you can't build your storage tank because of other laws and and that is just one example of kind of that kind of issue where you get federal regulations and then like reality sometimes clashing and 
for people who hate the federal government. It's a perfect, like, see? <laughs> but, yeah. Can you remember some of the water sources you used when you first came to the valley and starting to think about that more often, if, if that was the case? No. Really? Sorry. Well, no, no. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we don't really, like, so when we built our house, we just, like, you know, tapped yeah. and we had to extend the, you know, line mm. down to our house. But, um, and prior to that, we were living in the little Baker apartment building and mm. had no okay. garden or anything. Um, and when we were first here, we lived up in the park. I mean, but the, like, this was in 1999, and I think... When did SNWA file on the water rights? Yeah, so, like, it was already an issue. Oh, okay. It was not nearly at the level it is now, but even as just a seasonal park ranger, we, I was, I knew about, it wasn't SNWA then, I don't think. It was, like, Vidler Water Corporation, like, because so, they all consolidated. Salt Lake, or Salt Lake. The Las Vegas Valley, Valley had, like, seven different municipal water things. Yeah. And, you know, so, I mean, I don't, I, I didn't know all the details at all, but I knew even, like, in 1999, like, there was a, something was going on with it, so. But I wasn't, and then probably in, um, let's see, Sam was a baby, so, like, about 11 years ago? And I don't know if it was the first time, but it was the first meeting I had gone to where yeah. they SNWA kind of was first wanting to like promote their pipeline plan. So I Promo. think you know, yeah, the oh. the applications had been made a decade before that, but um, or more even. Mm -hmm. But they sent like a couple like PR people up here to Baker okay. to like tell everyone how great their plan was and I mean, and um it was just over in the community center which is not a very big room and it was packed and um you know you had like I don't know if you knew um what's his name he died last year Cecil his name starts with a C Cecil Best. Garland yeah. like yeah complicated man but mm -hmm. like, um i hadn't met him before oh, and really? he he talked and terry morasco was there too and he had just moved to town he can kind of be <laughs> abrasive but um but um so they kind of did their thing and I think they're like looking at this room of people and Cecil's in his like bib overalls and you know like whatever and I, I'm sure they were like oh this is gonna be you know easy as pie right like country bumpkins blah 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 and then you get you know farmer and overalls standing up and talking about like you know, the taproot death of phreatophytes and what is the, like, evapotranspiration rate of this and that and whatever. I mean, they were so unprepared to, like, be in a room full of people who knew so much more than they did, like, on so many levels, and were they got skewered. I mean, they were, and I was like, and that was kind of, you know, and it's been 
I think SNWA has gotten a lot smarter about who they put forth and what their arguments are. You know, now it's their hydrologists and their lawyers who come, and, and obviously it's all been in court for many years now. But, um, you know, that I just you know, burns in my memory of one of the like, <laughs> you know. These ranchers would not be here if they did not know what they were doing. Hello. But, like, I grew up in a more, not in a city, but city environment and, you know, on the West Coast and went to school in New England. Lots of ivory tower types and whatever. And, like, I think, like, there is a huge general attitude in academia and business and everywhere else that, like, really discounts these kind of people <laughs> like these kind of people know a lot <laughs> and you know it's so that was that's a memory i have that early on in the water fights i was just like whoa they wow. brochures like they want I, I mean they just were like naive they from las vegas yeah. were quite naive about what they were up against mm -hmm. and they're not anymore how have you seen their arguments evolve um i i don't i'm not very involved or, in it at oh, okay, all yeah. so i just yeah, yeah. Or, do you think i, I yeah. would imagine abby or dave or mm. like various people would, okay. would probably have much more informed okay. opinions on that because i really stay out of it but, just because i'm busy doing totally <laughs> yeah <laughs> Here, yeah. have some money. <laughs> but they're not... Pay the lawyer another hour. Yeah. But, yeah, it's it's not okay. my mm. area of expertise at all. But they're not sending people up here as brochures anymore. Yeah, and, you know, that's not the only meeting I've ever been in where someone from outside got that type of reception. It hasn't just been water stuff. Um, okay. It's been, you know, federal reps for different things or, you know, Harry Reid staffers. People have gotten oh, really? quite the... Quite the reception. I mean, it can, yeah, it can get kind of ugly sometimes. Okay. Same a tourist. I'm just coming through on Highway 50, and um, I'm heading up to the park, and I see this banner. It says SNWA, and maybe I drop by the heritage area. Uh huh. And I'm like, okay, what is like, what's going on? Right. How would you explain this to someone who hasn't heard about it before? Right. Um. Well, I tell you, I used to get a lot of. And we're, we're here some days and we're not other days. Mm. We don't get a whole lot of drop-in visitors. But I worked at the, vis the visitor centers for a long time. And um, we didn't get a ton of questions about it. But definitely you get people to say, oh, I heard there's something going on, you know, with the water. And so as a federal employee, you know, I had a certain way I would respond to that. You know, kind of like, well, the gist of it is, is that, you know, there's... Southern Nevada has applied for, to use a certain amount of water that would come from the valleys up here. Um, and, you know, whether or not that water is actually available to be allocated is being contested in court. I mean, that's hmm. kind of how I understand it. Um, you know, and the Park Service, as a subset of the Department of Interior many years ago um, 
entered into a stipulation agreement with SNWA and Abby and others would have much more okay. detail on that kind of stuff, but um, for Spring Valley, so the other side of the mountain, um, which was the first permits that SNWA wanted to um, cash in on, or, or they have to say, okay, we want to use the water now, and, and then the state water engineer has to decide if that water is, you know, there. They thought it was there when they let people apply for it, um, but, um, you know, the main point of contention is that that water isn't there. That just because that water is down in the ground doesn't mean it's available, because if you draw it out, you know, odds are it's going gonna, it's gonna to drop somewhere else. And then that, and I said, so, the, you know, when I worked there, it's like, so that's what the, what the debate is. And that's what's contested in court, is whether or not they should be able to have that water, because will it, per Nevada water law, will it um, harm the water availability of senior water rights holders like Baker Ranch and the, and the park as well? Um, so that's one question that you could debate with science and models and the state engineer has to weigh in on it and whatnot. Um, and there's a lot of room for opinion mm -hmm. as to how you do those models and what data you use and all that kind of stuff. So um, there's been pretty significant studies that have been going on for the last 10 years, taking lots of data and doing different kinds of models and SNWA does their own and, and, and arguing about how much is actually available. But that can't get you the more philosophical answer on, you know, but don't the plants and animals and the wildlife and whatnot have a right to exist as well? Because Nevada water law does not consider that. So that to me is the crux of the argument. It's not just does the Baker Ranch still get X number of acre feet a year, because that's their right, but like anyone there will tell you they know the water table's dropping so even at current usage it's unsustainable so if the usage went up clearly like you know um but i don't remember what your question was but <laughs> it was um you know, but the, well, I mean, that's how I explain it to people. The argument is about how much is available. And I would say, I don't know anyone from up here who isn't on the same side when mm. it comes to, you know, it's SNWA versus all the rest of us. Um, but it's also kind of a... I mean, in this case, it's about the water, but it's it's not the first time that people up here have, like, kind of battled the mm -hmm. Goliath that everyone thought would win and have won. Because um, back in the, the 80s, 70s or 80s, so there was the um, XM missile whole thing, which is where, like, Cecil Garland, like cut his teeth on like protesting things and so did um she lives over in reno now uh 
Marge Sill. Okay. I don't know if you've heard that name. Mm-hmm. She's like in her 90s. But like, no. and Joanne Garrett, who's no longer alive. And there's all these names that are like these people who like 30 years ago were like, like Abby. And, yeah. you know, like that generation now and, and Dave and everybody. And, um, and that was some plot <laughs> that the uh, Department of Defense wanted to like put missile heads on like trains or something so they could like move them all over the place so they'd never be like I mean it was a total Cold War thing when they were like exploring that that's kind of when they discovered the groundwater supplies in the areas but um there there is a history of like people up here uniting Mm -hmm. like you know there's not a lot of people but Mm -hmm. like and really winning you know a battle to, to preserve the yeah. environment up here, which their lives are dependent on. And, um, you know, so it's not just about water. It's yeah. about how their lives are. And, and some people like to make it like a really, um, cut and dry moral argument. Like yeah. Cecil has this phrase about, you know, it's, um, and he, I don't remember all the words, but there's like wonderful alliteration and like little poetry in it. But about, you know, like up here, it's, you know, like farmers and family and blah, blah. Yeah, it's like four words. And down there, it's just like gamblers and gangsters and yeah, uh, yeah glitz and, and glitter, yeah, right? You know, yeah. like glitter and glamour and gangsters and yeah, whatever, you know, just trying and you know. I don't think things are that black and white. There's good people everywhere, and there's bad people everywhere, and yeah. there's, you know, like, you know, greedy motivation, and there's, you know, real, like, selfless motivation. <laughs> but, but um, you know, so very much kind of like a who, who's important and who's valuable, mm-hmm. and what kind of life is valuable, and what kind of life is not that, you know, and so definitely plays in there's a lot of that that goes on in the arguments about it yeah you know i'm really interested in the law is the law oh and then it's you know two different states too so so then there's that whole you know confusion which you know you're talking about withdrawing water from an aquifer that's split across state lines and and so then it becomes federal because it's between states and so yeah, aquifer There's doesn't a... respect state boundaries. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. Um, I don't remember what the question was. Um, but, yeah. I like where we went. Um, <laughs> I, it seems like a legal conversation right now, but then there's more to the story. Yeah, there's and your perspective court and your argument yeah. in court, and then there's your argument in you know the court of public opinion. Yeah. Where you... is where people start really attaching the like, you know, you see the pictures paintings of you know pat mulroy with her like little devil horns and tail and (laughs) yeah you know i mean really yeah like you know there's propaganda on both sides do you you think though that the environment you you know you mentioned that people's lives depend on the environment out here and Mm -hmm. i think that's really interesting about snake valleys it seems to be this kind of working wilderness Mm -hmm. where and uh, where people are very seem to be very connected I wonder if... More so than most places. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I wonder... It's kind of hard not to be. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's... 
It's nature on a yeah. grand scale. I wonder yeah. if you've seen that become more a part of the conversation. Oh, I think that's always been part of the conversation. Okay. But there's, you know, there's like livelihoods and then there's like life. And think to, you know, the ranchers of the area, those are like the same thing. So, I mean, it's all dependent. Like they're... They had the option. I mean, Baker Ranch had the option to do what all the ranches in Spring Valley did, which mm -hmm. was sell to SNWA for way above the market value. And every one of them walk away as millionaires with all of their kids and grandkids, you know, college accounts fully funded. And they didn't because they don't, it's not what they want. They want to do what they're doing. So, you know, they're clearly attached to it. <laughs> It'd be yeah. easy to walk away from because it's hard. I mean, I know Tom and Dave and the rest of them, you know, they work six and a half days a week, 10 to 12 hours a day, every day of the year. It's way harder than my job. So gut reaction at this point as a resident of Snake Valley, what do you think the future of water is here? What's your gut feeling? Um, well, I think there's going to be less and less available because things are heating up. Um, it's pretty obvious the last few, I mean, it's, you know, globally speaking, I mean, the weather patterns are changing. That has been seen here. Um, we're getting less snowfall and more summer storms, which is sort of a difference in, in the seasonality of when the water comes. So, I mean, there are larger factors that are also contributing, you know, to, you know, the whole, like, I mean, global climate change is very real and things are happening here. So, um, so it's already precarious. Um, I think that that the water network and all the efforts by them and, and others, like, I think the science is on our side, Snake Valley's side, um, but ultimately those decisions are political. And I think there's been lots of pretty small and large wins in the courts, but, like, protection is never permanent. Parks are not permanent. Like... Ruining something can be fairly permanent, but but I you can't ever let your foot off the gas. It will always be a threat. It might go away for fifty years, and then the plan gets revived angle with a different or, angle, yeah. with a you know different populations, and yeah. Okay. Um... So that's my long view on it. Is it's like anything else in history, you know, the same things. Like reading a book about World War Two right now, you know, just read one about World War One. It's like, yes. and here we go again, and here we go again, and yeah. here we go again, and can't yeah. we ever learn? <laughs> what do you think living here, amidst, like you mentioned, you mentioned that Snake Valley seems to be this microcosm of the West, mm -hmm. um, in our in our previous conversation, and I'm wondering what this experience has taught you, or you feel like it's taught you about about life or, or about the West mm -hmm. in general? Um, don't discount the locals. 
they deserve a lot more respect than they usually get. That's what I would say from people coming in from the outside who always think they know better. And um, their opinion should probably be made way more because it's it's their home more than it's yours. Doesn't mean it can't be your home too, but like, yeah. Do you see that in the context of this federal? Yeah, I do. And it doesn't yeah. mean federal laws, which whether it's about water or like how you preserve a park. I mean, you know, the American public has, through their representatives, kind of, you know, stated over and over again that parks are important and national parks are the best places that we have in the whole country and they belong to everybody. Um, so there, there is an interesting balance of like, what you do on behalf of everybody and then what what it means for the people on your doorstep so like that are from there and I think a lot of times they get not paid enough attention to I don't think they shouldn't have full like you know carte blanche or it's not their park but it is their backyard so it's just a that's been my overarching kind of philosophical evolution when I moved here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, give them credit. Listen to them. Sometimes you're going to butt heads. Sometimes, like, what they want is not consistent with the law. Um, or not consistent with what you need to do to manage for the wildlife or for the vegetation or whatever. Um, but... You know, work with them. And the yeah. park does. I mean, here, I'm not saying that they don't. Do you feel like the park or maybe this water situation has, in the larger Western community, or maybe even just between Las Vegas and, and Snake Valley, gotten the SNWA, for example, to heed that advice you just oh, put no. forth? Uh, no. They are, no. Oh, no. Uh, well, I, maybe individuals do. Or maybe they're more, like, cognizant of paying attention to that just as it might, um, you know, help their own argument in court. But, no. I mean, their goal is completely counter to everything up here. So, And that's their, you know, and that's their job. I mean, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> their job is to find water and get it down there. Their job isn't to, you know, make friends with Cecil Garland. Is there a question I've asked that I've not asked yet that you think I should have or anything else you'd like to share that you feel like we haven't touched on that just before we, we end you'd like to say? or? Oh, I don't know. No. I mean, there's probably lots of things. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you. I really appreciate You're that. You're welcome. All right, cool.